0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the State of Sport Management, a podcast with Dr. Matthew Hummel coming from the University of Cincinnati in Cincinnati, Ohio. Here's this week's episode.
1: Well, Welcome, everybody, back to another episode of State of Sport Management. I am here with Kiao Hu, who is a doctoral student and research assistant in the Sport Administration and Fitness program at University of Houston. So, Kiao, how's it going?
0: Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Kiao Hu. As uh, Dr. Hummel i uh, present me. I'm a third year PhD student at University of Houston. I hope everything goes well for everyone.
1: Yeah, so we got some good, uh, some Houston folks. I worked at Lubbock, Texas, which is in the same state, but is about a thousand bazillion miles away, um, not even close. Uh, but I have been out of Houston once. Great city. Would love to go back at a time in the future. Um, but to kind of give some background, I had posted on the, I think it was a NASA listserv with a list of podcast recordings that I've done. So other people could see what those resources were. And I had a handful of people that reached out with some ideas and um, Cal probably had the best idea and something that I should have done a while ago, but we have a number of international students in or pursuing their PhD in sport management. And I can't imagine the process of coming to the United States and trying to assimilate, integrate, learn a new culture and processes. Also while trying to do your PhD, which has a a whole bazillion things you have to learn to do for the first time in your life. And, but we have so many folks that are kind of going through this process. I think it was so important to kind of talk through this. And Mm -hmm. at worst, this could be a resource for those that are either in their PhD programs right now or are going to be in the future but also it's going to be helpful for those that finish to think back and deconstruct their experiences so well. So first I want to say, yeah, Cal brought this up. This is awesome. So all this is definitely on her. Um, So Cal getting us started, we're talking about this international PhD student experience. Let's start with this process for choosing a PhD. So you've decided that you want to do this. Like what were, what Mm -hmm. are factors that you're looking at either within the States or other countries potentially to try to find the best fit for you?
0: Um, thank you. Um, I just want to be, say that I appreciate what you have said and then value the idea of kind of copper experience for PS and international students here because uh, I felt like as a matter of fact people actually care about our experience and then um, try to include us as much as possible, so I appreciate that intention. And then for the process we're choosing a PhD program, it goes back to, um, I actually started here for my master's degree and for management in University of Georgia. And then for the PhD, it's a little bit situational because by the time I graduate, it's 2020, spring in 2020. And then by that time, I had one year experience um, doing my internship in the Subway Sports um, organization, which caused play sport. I'm not sure how much our audience familiar with the concept of uh, sports for people with disability, but then that's a really mind-blowing experience for me. So that's the first time I actually think about how sports can help people in this way because we always say like sports can make people happier, stronger, and then we emphasize a lot about professional athletes and you know, traditional strong collegiate um, sports programs and then et cetera. But then I felt like I really want to dive in that area. So i trying to find jobs uh, and this is a baseboard, but I have no background as knowing like um, physical therapy or recreational therapy and then those stuff. And then we have very few, I would say, very few programs in the United States as well um, that are opening for positions, and then COVID hit, which makes it worse. <laughs> and then I was like, maybe there are other ways I can do this. So that's why I kind of start away thinking um, about disability for promotion and um, uh, academia setting, and then I get to know programs and um, kind of a disability for. And then also um, some um, papers that published regarding business uh, work marketing. So that's where I started. It's actually pretty much um, passion driven, I think. It's like I really just want to do anything.
1: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and I think doing a PhD going in this, you do need a lot of passion or calling, like a calling to do this yeah because it is such an arduous journey to go through this, and there's so many challenges, whether lack of support, bureaucracy, things that you don't foresee that are going to come up in this three, four, five year experience that it can be tough on that. Um, yeah now also, I want to mention she she gave a good shout out to Mary Hums in the beginning of this, so obviously, Mary Hums is near and dear to my heart, obviously on the disability sport, she's definitely one of the top scholars in the field. Um, yeah. and so hopefully Mary's going to take a chance and listen to this and we'll reach out, but, um, <clears throat> now coming to the, like coming to a new country and starting your education, like thinking mm-hmm. specifically about the U S like, because that's your experience, kind of go through that process. So you, you've chose the university of Houston. We submitted, you submitted all that stuff, like take us through those first couple weeks or whatever the acclimation period of just even just kind of getting your bearings about figuring out what to do and all that stuff.
0: Yes. So the interesting thing is I start with university of Georgia, which is the college town that I know. Now I don't know the differences between them before because college town in China means there are several universities in the same area, which means it's like, uh, Oh, okay. Pretty packed with, you know, similar people and stuff like that. And then in big cities as well. Then here it's, very different. When we talk about the University of Georgia and the University of Houston, now I kind of know like the vibes are very different. And then the way we, so as uh, a Chinese students, we always start up with, um, try to find out people through, you know, group chat that we normally would have a student group chat in each university normally, because we have enough population in the United States for education, I think. And then by the time I get into Houston, that's actually uh, last year, last fall. I did my first year remotely in China. I flew back um, oh, because wow. of COVID. Yeah. So
1: let's stop there. How was that trying to trying to go through that process?
0: Gosh, that's the worst experience I ever had. Oh and gosh. Say,
1: Yeah, had to be tough.
0: If it's not my advisor, I I still don't know why I came back. <laughs> like, <laughs> Like, uh, basically, he told me, oh, we probably won't offer online class anymore. And I was like, oh, I need to book my ticket. And then also, I say that worse. It's like, it's my, a little bit related to my personal experience, too. Because um, I'm still living with my parents. And then the lot of things going on in the house. And then also, I felt like, duty. I'm home, but I'm not home. I'm basically all time, like daytime, nighttime, because I have class at 2 a.m. 4 p.m., 4 a.m., stuff like that. And then the daytime, people always try to accommodate me to do research meetings, a lot of meetings, right? Because the physical difference is, like, distance is huge. And then time difference is, like, 14 hours. And then the first year, we need, (laughs) it's a lot to learn. And then also we're trying to, my advisors value, like, connection a lot because, like the service where it's such a niche area to focus. So he always tried to um, kind of present me or expose me to people that um, could help with me in certain ways. So we actually, I remember that people are saying I'm the expertise to uh, organize meetings because we had people in Japan um, and California and then Eastern time and then China regulate those meetings that was a lot so
1: yeah i that's why i was thinking about the time zone different itself juggling with that and potentially having classes that go on at a certain time and you have to be present or even if you need to meet with your advisor you probably need to come up with some mutual time that works right
0: yeah and then we're working on our first publication at that time too so it's a lot of group communication revision and we need to do that with a mechanism it's always like someone go through things first and then giving comment and next one with our co-authors so it's a lot of commendation, and, and then a lot of communication it's a lot but it's all worth it
1: <laughs> well good i'm glad on that okay so you brought up something that was interesting so Covid happens. So you decide to go back home, and you're doing this remote for a little while until the program tells you that that might be ending soon. So you have to come back to the states. I mean, how was securing housing during this time of coming over here, getting housing, going back, coming back? Like, how did how did that work for you?
0: Yeah, um, Houston actually have a large population for. Um, Asian people, I guess, and then okay. like my our way to find uh any resources is from student group chat, and then I posted something like oh I need a place, and then uh, a Chinese student reach out and saying oh they have a house um kind of in the suburbs of Houston, and then which uh, it definitely have a affordable price, and then there are students. So I told them my lifestyle this is business. like mostly I would stay at home and I needed to be quiet and then safe for sure. And then because we we have extra, extra considerations for our safety because of COVID or other considerations. because Yeah, for sure. Different countries. Right. Um, so um, everything seems good um, for that option. So just settle down before I come. And then um, yeah, it's not a hard experience, I would say, because um, like um, Chinese school people are pretty accessible.
1: okay, yeah, I mean, that's great that you have built a network. so I can I make an assumption that if you were going at a school yes. with a large with a less with a smaller population of people, that probably would have been more challenging?
0: Uh, I think so. Um, I think cultural matters too. So when I actually made more friends in the University of Georgia than I have, I'm happy now. Um, in terms of, um, Chinese students or Chinese people because when we're in college town, people have the same goals. They're basically all students, like graduate students. So even when I'm doing my master's degree, all my friends are actually PhDs. But yeah, when I came to Houston, most people there are for work and then many people and they um, having their bachelor degree and then they're fine to find a job or just work in Houston because there are many opportunities providing them. They like my roommate's and business and accounting, uh, And then it seems like pretty easy for them to find out internship and jobs. So the diversity Houston has are actually it's very interesting it's actually harder for me to make those social connections but then the kind of chat groups or the information to find your people is kind of easy
1: so okay interesting now thinking about higher education like when you're in school there is certain processes like there's the bureaucracy of higher education i guess would be a good way of saying this where There's certain things that either you kind of have to learn how that works. Like you don't really know, like you like as simple as could get a parking ticket. Where do I even go to pay this parking ticket to as simple as you might have to teach and now you have to get a key for a classroom. And where do I even get a key? How do I sign up for classes? Like what were some of those things that you had to kind of learn on the fly to figure out how to operate as a student? And then who potentially were your resources to help figure out like, okay, where do I go to do this or do that?
0: Thank you for mentioning that. There's just so much detail things that make me recall, because I definitely experience, um, have more different types of experience in University of Houston. And then resources-wise, um, I think I rely a lot on my advisor. Um, so uh, my advisor is it's an American. <laughs> So that's something actually interesting because uh, it still goes back because I only have this t- two experience to kind of compare it, and then University of Houston, uh, Georgia. My friends are mostly in um, uh, majors such as um chemistry, um, or pharmacy or those majors or math. It's like traditionally they take more faculties in um, the major as international factories, and then students, they kind of recruit from China, and then they build that type of mentorship. And then mine is a little bit different. And then, um, so the cultural that we have that I heard from my friends, and then that the experience that I had have, I have, are quite different. So I think getting information from him regarding how to live a life here it's kind of valuable as well. I would say like international faculty, like Chinese faculty profi- provide us um, still experience, they are valuable as well. Like having the lenses from um, the same base, like we're having same background and then try to maybe uh, live a life here um, could be beneficial. But then also I think like knowing the local people, how they do things are valuable too.
1: Thinking about looking back on your process, I know everybody's individual, but particularly from an international student, and even if you want, you can focus on this as being an Asian student or from an Asian country coming to the U.S. and going through this process, what advice would you give to that person? So if you were meeting someone that was going to start in the spring uh, semester, um, and they're even coming from China, like with your background, what would your recommendations be to help them hit the ground running? Not necessarily at University of Houston, but just in higher education programs it, uh, in general
0: okay so yeah um i think going back it will be our route like why you want to do this i think it's really important to know what kind of passion that you have and then what type of difference that you want to make and then the second thing will be really kind of ask yourself or understand yourself like what um what you're kind of comfortable to, like different mentorship style that you felt like that would be suitable for you. Either you can choose, um, that the similar culture, like you can choose Asian, um, faculty member as your advisor, or if you're more adventurous, like you want to be just immersed in, um, the culture that we have in here you could also try to um, find those opportunities as well. And then one thing I do think, uh, maybe that's more uh, specific for PSU students, I think it's important to talk about funding as well. Is that something that we don't um, kind of shy away to talk about money somehow, but I do think having the financial support is something Important for us to some somehow I felt just these programs that we all stress people in different ways. I just felt like you don't want actual um stress coming from like um money part as well.
1: Is not only just a problem, obviously for an international student. Um, but as you're talking about culturally, you could have some people that are just essentially. They were brought up to not talk about those things. Um, Even if you were, it's tough. It's tough to ask if you have funding or can this get covered or can I get this covered? Like That needs to be very upfront and apparent for programs, whether that's even on the website or making sure every faculty member is well-educated on, hey, especially for PhD students and even master's students. Like, here's some information on ways that you're like ways you can seek out funding, whether that's in the department or the grad school has like fellowships, depending on certain academic success or whatever. Like, that's easy because then you don't have to put it out there. Even if people don't want to have that conversation, you can make it a free source online that they're able to access anytime that they want.
0: Exactly. I think uh, being an international student adds extra layers because I actually don't know that, my advisor don't know that we actually, typically we can't work outside of campus. We can't be, you know, um, kind of recruit or employed by other entities because we have to under certain code for our visa. It's like, we can't work over 40, is it 40 hours, uh, 20 hours, no, 20 hours. Um,
1: A week yeah yeah there's certain yeah parameters on ga or uh full-time and insurance and all that stuff and it can depend on the state on what um what that cutoff is now i'm i'm gonna circle back to another question but let's talk about job search time Uh, you're in your phd program like how well prepared do you think you are as an international student going through the PhD program that you are for the job search that's either you're starting probably right now because we're recording this on September 30th um, or mm-hmm. that it's coming up in future years?
0: Uh, it would. Uh, I finished my candidacy paper, candidacy paper last year, um, in my second year. And then the next step for me will be complete band. And okay. then later, that's going to be job search time. And then in terms of what, aspect that I saw well prepared, I would say maybe the research side, um, the publication more specifically, the publication, because um, we really, my, kind of my advisor propelled that well, like I always remember what he said at the beginning stage that we met, he was like, I will support um, as much as I can, and in a way, that you need. So um, the interesting thing is like in University of Houston, we also run this for a program. So we actually have those athletes for the population that we want to study on. So for us, um, it's, a, it's a pretty niche, but also a little bit new in terms of research as well. So idea wasn't lacking, gap was still. So I would say there are, and then we both share the same passion in this. So we don't ever feel like lacking ideas. And then the research pipeline is kind of packed. So even though right now I only have two publications, but then we actually have fixed um, on the review currently and then a few on the writing as well. So I would say by the time I start to start job, the publication part will be, I felt like, more, um, confident, and then also the mentality wise, I think that's important too. Maybe at the stage of my life, and then I know what I really want to do. So for a PhD life, or a life as a faculty, um, kind of in the United States, boarding higher education, I kind of felt like I'm mentally propelled for that part too. Um, I think those are the two. Parts that I felt important, but then also felt well-propelled.
1: The job search to me is so important for international students because you're not only acclimating to your higher ed PhD program, but now you have to apply to all these other programs that you aren't familiar with that are also different than the culture you grew up on. And you have to learn those on the fly while applying and interviewing and pitching yourself. And it's a really tough process. It's a tough process on its own. Even if you knew and were well-versed and well-prepared for everything, let alone if you just can't based on experience um so one thing i'll ask you is like hey if you were running a program what would you do for helping best prepare incoming international phd students like what would be the mechanisms that you think would be most important to make sure that they can be as successful as possible
0: um that's a great question so i would say the mentorship in terms of um different aspect, I mean, if we're talking about job searching, or kind of propel them for the market, I would say, me personally, I felt like it's important to, at at first, at least, like people that around us share their experience first, and then also we could reach out for um, Asian faculty who kind of can share their own experience on that, on the regard to. I think that's valuable. And then also, I think the part that I talk about the things that I'm comfortable with, I, I left out the things that I felt having concern is the teaching part. We have a, that we're kind of concerned for, but it's the softest skills. So as you mentioned, pitching yourself, we're not good at that because our audience is kind of different. And then knowing what they want to know, or knowing what they value, what they they'll need are important. So I would say if I'm running a program, I would do kind of like provide mock interviews and then to kind of letting them know what the other part are looking for, like what they'll value, Um and then kind of what requirement they have, what the aspect they have emphasized on, and then how they see us, what we did well, and then things we could improve too.
1: I think the mentorship thing is so important. Um especially if you have someone in your program as a faculty, a staff member, administrator that can connect with that student's experiences that they've grown up on to come here to provide I don't know, not like language translation, but like, Hey, here's what this means or here's what they're, or here's what you have to do to do this. Like, I think that is just invaluable that it's still helpful. If you have anyone that can be in your corner and having your advisor should definitely be someone that's planning on being supportive in ways that they probably didn't have to be with students that were from the States, but it's going to be so important to essentially provide support for those students. Cause everybody comes in with a different level of expectations or experiences and, preparedness for what's going on um and so that's why i think it is it's going to be so important from there yeah now Keo, to kind of finish this up one fun question like do we have any conference plans for this coming year so we're recording this on late september but mm-hmm. do you have any conferences that if people are listening to you on here that they might be able to see you either this fall or this upcoming spring or summer
0: oh i'm coming to NAS. uh so oh, nice. be... yeah will you
1: I will not be at NAS. I haven't been to NAS yet. It's on my to-do list, but it's in Canada, right?
0: Oh, NAS nice, uh, this uh, fall will be in Las Vegas. I'm oh, saving.
1: really close. I was really yeah. close here. Yeah, Canada, Las Vegas, same thing. Uh, but yeah. Okay, <laughs> awesome. So that's uh, – when is that? Is that November?
0: Uh, yeah. No, uh, yeah, November.
1: Okay, awesome. Have you been to NAS before?
0: No. I, I, I did – Uh, for marketing association that the annual conference in Las Vegas that's my first in person um, so
1: Vegas is your place is what you're telling me
0: it is and then (laughs) my advisor kind of teaching me and then letting me to um, he say things in a very different way he himself is such a he doesn't like sorry he doesn't like the way the word inspiration but I would say he's such an (laughs) inspirational Person, so he kind of he is very interesting for this question. We last time we did the zip in Vegas, and then uh, we had a pizza, not beer, <laughs> without beer. And then he was like, "Yeah, you will be great in conference because I'm not like to. We have so many things here. Um, but anyways, and then he was like, "Oh, you need to kind of creating." Uh, good memories so that you like to be in the conference and I was like oh that might be um, true and then uh, he was like what would you do this time then <laughs> so yeah so he um, conference wise he definitely felt like every conference has different people and then different kind of vibes too and then he wants me to be exposed and the social um, more like sociology part as well because we're dealing um, our our research line kind of um kind of having a mix, so the branches can be, uh, marching side, and then also we talk a lot about um minorities in minorities, is like gender minorities, racial minorities, and playing disability sport. So we talk a lot about intersectionality as well. So I guess it would be a great experience for NAS this time.
1: Yeah, no, it sounds like a great choice. And what about the spring? Any plans for the spring or summer?
0: I think uh, we probably would write up something for NASA uh, okay. as well. Yeah, because he's in Canada. I have never been to Canada and then uh, I really miss travel. So that might be a good thing to do.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, it's going to be Montreal.
0: Right? Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. I. I've been to the Ottawa NASM. I've been to Western Ontario NASM. Uh, I'd miss Vancouver NASM, but yes, it's going to be a great experience. I hear great things about Montreal. And NASM's call—we're recording this again late September, so it should come out maybe next week. Mm-hmm. So it'll it'll be time to yeah start figuring out what the what the plans are to submit to NASM. Yeah, um,
0: I think yeah we definitely have new things working on yeah looking forward to that will you
1: be though i know i am maybe that i'll be at nasa if i will be there for sure hit me up um but i will be going to csri which is like a college sport focused conference that will be in the spring semester i don't think i have anything for the fall and then i might be going to nacta which is very college sport administrator heavy very practitioner conference it's a big conference Mm -hmm. and that's going to be going on in the summer like june july ish i think and that's going to be i think in orlando they usually go to some very family friendly sometimes vegas sometimes vegas orlando they try to mix it up with those but nas is definitely on my list i definitely got to get there um some other good conference surla which is very law focused but with disability sport there's lots of law mm-hmm. applications sometimes you see some good disability sport research there as well but nasum should have at least some good stuff but yeah and mary hums it almost goes uh almost goes every nasum so hopefully with covid things are looking a little bit better she should be there
0: yeah, last Nazam that we had in Atlanta, I asked his colleague. I actually worked with his um, her sorry, her student, Nina, and then yeah, yeah um, and then they told me that um, Dr. Marahums would like were not comfortable traveling because of COVID, and then she really nailed technology for zoom meetings now she's very comfortable i was like
1: oh
0: (laughs) haven't met her yeah
1: either way we'll make sure we get you connected with dr holmes but
0: thank
1: you um, cal awesome i really appreciate you joining us and talking to us about this topic really shedding some light i think this has been really informational for me um but yeah thanks for joining us on the podcast
0: thank you anything i can do please let me know i think at the point that i send out um the kind of feedback back to you or I actually are here is because I do think um, international students need to have their own voice. And then that would uh, kind of benefit a mutual understanding for people that are around us in terms of like social or uh, in professional setting as well. So I think um, we need to work on that to let people understand us more as well. And then this way, People can, if people like other students or um, people, they have their concerns, we can be form of words for providing support as well.
1: Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us for this episode of State of Sport Management. We hope you join us for the next one.